0: Welcome to the Mickey and Minutes Podcast, the short Disney show. I'm your host, Nick Lazaga, and this is episode 47, Good and Bad Attraction Updates. Welcome to a most exciting adventure, a breathtaking bobsled ride down the icy slopes of the majestic Matterhorn. To assist you in boarding your bobsled, we ask that you observe the seating diagram directly overhead. For your own safety, please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened at all times. And please hold on to hats and glasses. Thank you. You bird brains! If you're going to keep your jobs, you got to get hip! I know all about it, see? Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. That is a very famous quote from Walt Disney himself, seemingly giving the company permission to update and even replace attractions at the Disney parks whenever they see fit. But it seems like many Disney fans disagree with this notion, getting upset every time Disney touches one of their favorite attractions. And I'm not going to lie, I'm very protective of some attractions too. Walt Disney also said, The way I see it, Disneyland will never be finished. It's something we can keep developing and adding to. I've always wanted to work on something alive, something that keeps growing. We've got that in Disneyland. It seems as though Walt Disney considered Disneyland like a sandbox of sorts. A place that he can continue to work on, unlike his films, to which he said, A motion picture is different. Once it's wrapped up and sent out for processing, we're through with it. If there are things that could be improved, we can't do anything about them anymore. However, Walt also said something that seems to fuel the argument of leaving classic attractions alone. He said, I love the nostalgic myself. I hope we never lose some of the things of the past. So, with all that being said, I believe the Disney Imagineers take both of these ideas to heart when it comes to refurbishing and updating the attractions in the parks. Some updates and refurbishments have made the attractions even better than they were before, in my opinion, but some have yielded some pretty cringe-worthy results. So on this episode, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite attraction updates and also some of the updates that probably didn't quite turn out the way Disney wanted them to. Now everything in this episode is purely my opinion, and many of the attraction updates I'm going to talk about are somewhat polarizing, starting right off the bat with a modern update on a classic attraction, Pirates of the Caribbean. Disney legend and former president of Imagineering, the late Marty Sklar, once said, Pirates of the Caribbean has become the standard by which our guests measure every other attraction, but it's not a museum piece either. We want to keep adding to it and improving it like everything else. The attraction first opened in Disneyland on March 18th, 1967, and it was the last ride that Walt Disney himself worked on for the parks. And that fact alone makes it feel untouchable, despite what Marty Sklar said. A similar but somewhat condensed version of the ride was later opened in the Magic Kingdom on December 15th, 1973, with new versions opening in the overseas parks later. Pirates of the Caribbean has gone through many changes over the years, a lot of them making them more kid-friendly. Some of these updates include the pirates chasing the women scene being changed to pirates chasing women who are holding food and drinks in 1997. As well as another scene with a pirate who was originally seen resting in front of a barrel that had a woman hiding in it while he held what was presumably some of her clothes, being changed to that same pirate holding food with a cat hiding in the barrel behind him. These changes were very small and honestly, not even noticed by a lot of people and they didn't really affect the overall story of the attraction. But the big update that I think made the ride better came in 2006 when the popular movie franchise that the attraction inspired turned around and inspired the attraction. The addition of several Captain Jack Sparrow animatronics brought new life and a cohesive story to the attraction. Now the ride follows Captain Barbosa and his crew on their search for Jack, while Jack is looking for treasure. I know many Pirates of the Caribbean purists didn't care for this change, but I really liked it because honestly, I'm a big fan of the movies. It also gives the new generation who grew up with the films a stronger connection to the attraction, so I definitely consider the addition of Jack Sparrow to the Pirates of the Caribbean attractions a great update. Next, let's stick with the classics and talk about another attraction that gets updated often, but that received a particularly spooky addition recently. The Haunted Mansion is another attraction that many Disney fans think is untouchable, despite the fact that it seems to get updated pretty often. For example, in 2006, The Bride in the Attic got the name Constance Hatchaway and was given a more noticeable storyline in Disneyland's version and then in the Magic Kingdom's version in 2007. Also in 2007, the one in the Magic Kingdom got a visual and audio effects update in the stretching room and the addition of the awesome endless staircase scene which replaced those giant spiders. But the update that I think is really awesome only happened in Disneyland's version. In 2015, the hatbox ghost returned. According to Haunted Mansion history, or lore depending on who you ask, when the attraction first opened in Disneyland in 1969, there was a really creepy animatronic of a headless ghost with a top hat holding a hatbox whose head would disappear from its body and reappear in the transparent hatbox. Supposedly, it was only in the attraction for a very short amount of time, then seemed to disappear completely not only from the ride, but from existence. After a while, it seemed to be almost just a myth that it ever even existed. Of course, there's a logical explanation to all that. It turns out it was actually removed from the attraction because the disappearing head effect never seemed to work convincingly. Some maintenance records for the Hatbox Ghost and even a photograph or two proved that it wasn't a myth and it was actually there. Eventually, the technology caught up to the idea And to the joy of Haunted Mansion fans everywhere, the Hatbox Ghost was added back to the Disneyland Haunted Mansion permanently and just in time for the D23 Expo in 2015. This is one update that was a very long time coming and is awesome simply because of its tie to Disneyland history and Haunted Mansion history. But not all updates to classic Disneyland attractions are winners. Let's talk for a second about an update that was so bad It mysteriously caught on fire, forcing it to close and be reverted back to its original form. When fans say an attraction is untouchable, it doesn't seem to mean much to Disney. But when Imagineer Tony Baxter referred to the Tiki Room as untouchable, well, it also didn't seem to matter much. With the huge successes of the animated features The Lion King and Aladdin, as well as the supposed staleness of the decades-old attraction, it was decided that it was time to refresh the attraction and follow the dollar signs. On June 23, 1963, birds and flowers first sang their way into Disney fans' hearts in Disneyland. The Enchanted Tiki Room was a game changer for the parks that paved the way for the two previous attractions I talked about, as well as pretty much every other one in the parks since then, because it was the first attraction to ever feature audio animatronics. This quintessential Disneyland attraction was pretty much duplicated for the Magic Kingdom as an opening day attraction in 1971, but with a new pre-show and a new name, the Tropical Serenade. But on April 5th, 1998, the unthinkable happened. They turned Walt Disney's lovable, albeit campy attraction, into one of the most disliked attractions of all time, the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. This new version began similar to the original, until Jafar's annoying sidekick Iago loudly interrupts the classic Sherman Brothers song and starts singing about how the show is outdated and boring. Then Zazu from The Lion King tells Iago that he should stop. But of course the show continues and, in true 90s fashion, instantly dates itself with the song choices and angers the evil tiki goddess Aoa, as well as everybody in the audience. So Aoa zaps him with magic and, ironically, burns him. Clearly, all the charm and whimsy of the original attraction were completely gone now and replaced by a loud, annoying, and cynical new version that virtually no one liked. Then, on January 12, 2011, a small fire broke out in the attraction, supposedly damaging the Iago animatronic Beyond Repair. The Imagineers then took this opportunity to revert the attraction back to its classic version and even renamed the show Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. This version opened to a very happy public on August 15, 2011. But it doesn't seem Disney quite learned the lesson that re a well-liked attraction with an animated movie character for seemingly no reason would lead to fan backlash, because this wasn't the only attraction update to completely ruin the original version. On June 20th, 1995, the highly anticipated collaboration between Walt Disney Imagineering and Lucasfilm finally opened in the Magic Kingdom in the newly renovated Tomorrowland. The extraterrestrial alien encounter had a completely original story and was actually pretty scary. Apparently it was considered too scary for a Disney park though and was replaced on November 16, 2004 by a more kid-friendly version of it featuring everyone's favorite mischievous alien, Stitch, from the 2002 Disney animated feature, Lilo and Stitch. Alien Encounter had an instant fan base, and this update was obviously met with a lot of negativity from Disney fans. Yet, it somehow remained open until 2016, when its pre-show area became a semi-permanent Stitch meet-and-greet location. Now, I actually did a two-part mini-series on this topic way back in the early days of Mickey and Minutes, On episodes 15 and 17 called From the Moon to Stitch and Beyond. So if you want to hear more about Alien Encounter and Stitch's Great Escape as well as the attractions that preceded them, check those episodes out. But let's take a break from bad attraction updates and talk about another awesome one that, like Alien Encounter, was also a collaboration with Lucasfilm. Long before there was Galaxy's Edge, an entire land filled with immersive experiences and themed dining, not to mention the most advanced attraction in Disney history, Rise of the Resistance, there was one single Star Wars attraction in Disneyland's Tomorrowland. The original Star Tours opened on January 9, 1987. It was a motion simulator that took you on an exciting adventure through classic scenes from the original film, such as getting caught in the Star Destroyer's tractor beam and maneuvering through the Death Star Trench. The story of the attraction was that you were a tourist on a Star Speeder 3000 on your way to the Endor Moon, but your amateur pilot Rex accidentally goes the wrong way and takes you straight into the action. The attraction was instantly loved by Disney and Star Wars fans alike so it was duplicated in Florida at Disney-MGM Studios in December of 1989, in Tokyo in July of 1989, and in Paris in April of 1992. Then, at the D23 Expo in 2009, it was officially announced, with the help of Darth Vader himself, that the ride was going to get a major update. Star Tours The Adventures Continue officially opened in 2011 at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World. This new version, now in 3D, features a randomizer that shuffles between over a dozen different sequences, taking you to four different locations from any Star Wars film in the Skywalker Saga, potentially giving you a different ride experience every time. Also, anytime a new Star Wars movie comes out, a new location from that movie gets added to the ride, so it's always up to date. They even added the Planet Batuu when Galaxy's Edge was being built. I mean, honestly, how cool is that? So, as much nostalgia as I have for the original ride film, I personally love going into the attraction not knowing what's going to happen and where I'm going to go. So I have to say that this update is a great one that really made the attraction a lot better. Now, one might say that the interactivity of piloting the Millennium Falcon at Smuggler's Run and Galaxy's Edge is the next update to the Star Tours simulator technology, thereby making Star Tours inferior and outdated with not many years left. And while I agree that Smuggler's Run is the successor to Star Tours, I think it's missing that one thing that makes Star Tours 2.0 so amazing, the randomizer. I hope we see that technology at Smuggler's Run soon, and once we get that, I think it would be time to say goodbye to Star Tours. But even now, if you really miss the old pilot Rex, you could always go visit him in Oga's Cantina, where he now DJs. Star Tours was not the only attraction to get a randomizer. The classic Twilight Zone Tower of Terror got a similar update that is equally awesome in my book. Back when it opened in Disney MGM Studios on July 22, 1994, the ride took you into a haunted hotel that is stuck in time and onto an elevator that took you 13 stories up giving you an amazing bird's eye view of the park, then dropped you faster than the speed of gravity, but it only dropped you once. As if that wasn't thrilling enough, in 1996 a second drop was added with the tagline Twice the Fright. This was awesome but still not enough. So in 1999 a third drop was added and we were told to fear every drop. Then finally in 2004 along with some new lighting, sound and projection effects, a drop sequence randomizer was added and the new tagline Never the Same Fear Twice. Now, every ride on the Tower of Terror is different, and you never know how many drops from various heights you'll experience. The ride system could even pull you down as fast as 39 miles per hour. This attraction has always been incredible due to its perfect theming and attention to detail and story, but i definitely say that every time the Tower of Terror in Florida has been updated, it has become a better version of itself. I don't consider California Adventures version changing into Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout an update, although it does use the same ride system, since it's so drastically different than the original ride. It's not like they kept the same basic story and just changed the characters, like they did with Alien Encounter. But if you consider this an update to the attraction, do you think it was a change for the better? Let me know on Twitter at Mickey and Minutes. I've never experienced Mission Breakout, so I can't really speak to it. But I hope that that change never comes to the Florida version, because I love the Twilight Zone theming so much. Also, Florida's getting Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, replacing Ellen's Energy Adventure pretty soon at Epcot. So, I don't think we really need it. Now, there are so many more attractions with both great updates and not-so-great ones. So, I definitely plan on revisiting this topic in the future. But I wanted to end this episode with what I consider to be one of the best Disney Parks glow-ups of all time. What started off as a literal pile of dirt between Fantasyland and Tomorrowland, known as Holiday Hill, was eventually turned into the first ever steel tubular roller coaster. The Matterhorn is a Disneyland original and opened there on June 14th, 1959. Walt Disney got the idea for a toboggan ride down the iconic mountain after he spent some time in Switzerland while filming the movie Third Man on the Mountain. So they built a beautiful mountain right where that pile of dirt was. Now I know that doesn't really count as an update to the attraction, but those are coming. The Disney Skyway was already giving guests a bird-eye view of Disneyland and passed right where the mountain was to be built. So instead of moving the skyway, they built holes in the mountain where the skyway would pass right through. This was a cool idea, but unfortunately, all the guests would see inside the mountain when riding the skyway, or even while riding the Matterhorn itself, was the attraction's infrastructure that was hardly themed. It was left this way for a while, until the Matterhorn got a major refurbishment in 1978. The empty, unthemed interior finally got fixed up, with the addition of some icy caves and tunnels. The attraction also got one of the things that many people assume was always there the animatronic of the abominable snowman named harold he roars at the riders as they pass by and is almost synonymous with the matterhorn now it's hard to believe that he was added almost 10 years later when the skyway closed in 1994 the gaping holes that used to allow passage through the mountain were partially filled in and a small tribute to the former president of the Walt Disney Company, Frank Wells, was added. Wells died that same year in a helicopter accident while returning from a ski trip. In his lifetime, he had completed all of the seven summits in the world except Mount Everest, so an abandoned crate labeled Wells Expedition was added to one of the caverns in the mountain. The attraction continued to receive updates over the years to both the interior and exterior of the mountain to make it look more realistic. It also got new, more comfortable ride vehicles, and in 2015, it was updated with new animatronics, projections, and sound effects that all enhanced the story and theming of the attraction. The Matterhorn is one of the most popular attractions at Disneyland, and its numerous updates took it from a literal pile of dirt, to a hollow mountain with a roller coaster running through it, to a fully themed attraction with audio animatronics. Now that's how you update a Disney attraction. So that was my look at some of what I think are the best and worst Disney attraction updates. And there are so many more left to cover, so I will have to do a part 2 to this episode in the future. Let me know on Twitter at Mickey a Minutes what some of your favorites are and I'll try to include them in that episode. And speaking of attraction updates, the internet broke today when it was announced that Splash Mountain at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World will be changed to a Princess and the Frog ride. I know this topic is very polarizing, but I will say that Splash Mountain is my favorite Disney attraction of all time, so I'm going to be very sad to see it go. Also I think Tiana deserves better than an overlay of an existing attraction. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, it doesn't usually seem to go well when Disney overlays a popular attraction with an IP from an animated feature. I think they should start from scratch and not work around the existing track layout so they can tell a brand new story and we wouldn't have to lose Splash Mountain. Also, if they really wanted to overlay Splash Mountain, I think it could be pretty cool at Disneyland, because it would match its neighboring New Orleans Square. But it's just weird placement at the Magic Kingdom. It would be great if they just changed Disneyland's, but left the Walt Disney World version alone, like they did with Tower of Terror. But anyways, it's nice to see that Tony Baxter is working on the project. I'm sure he'll do great. He did, after all, do amazing work on Splash Mountain the first time around. Well, I hope everyone is having a great summer. And thanks so much for listening to the show, you guys. If you liked it, please rate it, review it, and subscribe to it on iTunes and tell your fellow Disney friends about it. Look out for another episode very soon. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Mickey and Minutes. Find us on YouTube for some Disney trivia and other fun videos. And check out MickeyandMinutes.com for show notes, exclusive podcast episodes, and more. Thanks again for listening to the Mickey and Minutes podcast. I'll see you next time. Bye put his foot in Bruv Fox's mouth.